Okay, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. If you missed the first part, you'll have missed us discussing the matches since the international break. Uh, focus on Robert Snodgrass's form, uh, Fred Onyadimma's form, and what we can look forward to with Paul Hart heading up the academy. Ahead of this second part, we've actually added to the team. We have got Simon Pitts off the subs bench uh, to join us for this second part. And unlike when the town tried this last Friday against Nottingham Forest, we are actually allowed to add one more man to... Uh, to our team the town nearly did but the referee spotted it didn't he after Sonny Bradley got sent off which was um, very annoying really so uh, no Simon thanks for joining us for this second part no worries great to be involved as always Kev excellent stuff okay coming up over this this second part then we'll discuss the goalkeeper situation which again has taken another twist there after James Shea picked up his injury on Monday Uh, we'll have a look at the involvement of Sky TV on the season and the various kickoff changes that we've had We'll discuss the promotion, the playoff picture, whether the town are actually in the playoffs yet, what we need if we're not already there. We'll look at the last three matches of the season and with the presentation evening getting ever closer, I'll get the lads to tell me who their player of the season is. Let's get started then. Uh, James, we're in this situation again where uh, the goalkeeper is kind of up in the air. We've already lost Simon Saluga's transfer, we've already lost Jed Steer to injury, we've now lost James Shea to injury, and uh, Harry Eister came in on Monday afternoon. Before we discuss the future of the goalkeeper, Eister now played two senior games. They don't, thankfully, count in the league's records because he didn't start them, but not let us down in any of them. Oh, he's been very impressive. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody would be worried if he gets in goal. I think he... You know, I'm just taking a punt here. I think he will be in goal uh, against Blackpool because um, Shea's injury looked pretty bad. And then you don't get on crutches with a knee brace if it's something you can shake off. I think and he didn't train on Wednesday um, and they're they're saying that they're assessing him. But um, I'd be very surprised if Harry Aster didn't start. And I, I don't think anybody, I think people are looking forward to it, actually, really, if he does. Yeah, not least the youth team goalkeeper, who presumably will have to uh, get an upgrade and sit on the bench for the afternoon. Simon, when James Shea went down on Monday, were you of a similar thought to me that, oh my God, this is a really serious injury? Because Tom Lockyer looked quite distressed when he got up from it. And then all of a sudden, Shea's he rose like Steve Austin, the bionic man, didn't he? It was kind of, it was a very weird five minutes, really. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw it and saw Lockie sort of jump up, I thought he'd got a bit of a head injury. And then I realised that he was holding his head because of what he'd either seen or heard or was aware of with the collision um, with James. And, you know, it was a, it was a horrible collision, but it was one of those that any, it could have been OK. But as it turned out, it wasn't. The, I think whether the leg has got trapped underneath. But yeah, the way Lockie Tom reacted, it was, you know, as though it was a leg break or it was a nasty twist or something that he'd seen because he was obviously absolutely distraught and, you know, had to be consoled, didn't he, by uh, players on the bench. And you know, I think even McCarford at one point went over as well as they took the break. And, you know, it was um, it was such an unfortunate incident because he's been playing so well, James Shea. And, you know, we hope it isn't too serious, but it certainly didn't look good. He was on crutches. At least he was able to walk across, um, you know, the pitch at the end and, and join in with everybody because he deserved that. But, yeah, real shame for him. And, you know, as we say, I hope he recovers as soon as he can, but within the right time scales for him, because, you know, his health is obviously um, the main thing from this. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, when when I saw Tom Lockyer's reaction, my first thought was, you know, what's uh, Scott Cuthbert's reaction uh, to the Luke Berry injury pretty much four years ago to um, that day, four or five years ago to that day. So, um, yeah, no, that wasn't good. But Tony... Um, we can play Harry Eisted on Saturday, which is one good thing. If we do play him, he doesn't suddenly become a senior goalkeeper. So um, that would be the obvious solution to the to the immediate problems. It would. And I mean, uh, Harry hasn't let us down in the two appearances he's made. In fact, actually, he's looked very good. He's, he's, his catching um, has been good and, and his control of his six-yard box has been uh, really good as well. And I'm pleased he's got that. You know, he he has got the opportunity to 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 play in the first team. I mean, he's waited long enough for it, but I, I don't think anybody, Harry included, would have wanted it to come about in these circumstances. Um, but uh, if he if he plays against Blackpool, I, I don't think he'll let us down at all. 
No, I don't either. He must have some sort of clause in his contract that says he can only play for Luton when TV cameras are around because this will be <laughs> this will be his third appearance and it'll be his third mm. time on television. But James, let's move forward. I mean, the official word from Nathan in his press conference on Thursday was that they are monitoring James Shea day to day. But as you in, intimated earlier, you don't get put in a knee brace if all is well. So looking ahead to the playoffs, you know, we're obviously potentially the playoffs. We're obviously three games away from there. Do we take the risk or do we bring in a lone goalkeeper prior to the playoff starting so that at least that person can get acclimatised to a defence um, before the playoffs start? Because we can't go into a playoff situation with a youth team goalkeeper who's never seen the first team sat on the bench and potentially having to come on in the first minute of a semi-final. No, my take on it, I suppose, is that I, I think they're monitoring James Shea. I don't. I, I'd be surprised, very surprised, if he was ready for Blackpool. But maybe be ready for uh, the playoff games. Should should Luton qualify, uh, that is obviously a possibility. Um, because we 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 know that if they sign an emergency loan goalkeeper, he has to go straight in. Um, which, in many respects, would be you know it's quite sad for Harry, really, isn't it? Because he is. Uh, he's he's earned that. He's got his chance, sorry, um, and he's earned it by some assured performances. Um, I, 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 yeah, and I, I guess when if Luton do get to the playoffs and and they can manage until then, and then they do look for an emergency loan, there may be more. The the field, the, the possibilities of who they could sign may be opened up because not everybody's going to be involved in competitive games at that point, you know, uh, possibly West Brom and, and, and the like. So, um, yeah, it, I, I guess more would be revealed when, uh, when the Blackpool team sheet comes out. Um, but I think, uh, I don't think there's any need to be knee jerk at the moment, I think, and uh, just see how it pans out. Yeah, I think we can safely say one third-choice goalkeeper that we won't be looking at is the third-choice goalkeeper that's coming down here on Saturday, Stuart Moore. Been there, done that, and the T-shirt wasn't worth wearing. Um, but actually, <laughs> Simon, the um, the choices might be a bit thinner than before because Alex Palmer was on the bench for West Brom on Monday night at Nottingham Forest and uh, they've fallen out with Sam Johnston, who probably isn't a, worth, a worthy alternative in terms of a loan spell because he's got to put Jordan Clark's head back on his shoulders from taking it off at the Hawthorns. So, you know, I think Nathan also intimated in his press conference that actually they would be having to do quite a sort of emergency search. So maybe it isn't all as simple as just going out going out and getting a loan goalkeeper in. No, not at all. Um, you know, the time and also getting somebody in that fits in with what's happening at the club at the moment. You know, it's a different character. It's a different personality in the dressing room, isn't it? So you've got to get that right as much as anything else, as much as getting the experience and the quality goalkeeper that if you're going to bring in an emergency, you bring in the right person. Um, you know, as James sort of said, yes, Harry is, you have absolutely no problems with playing Harry Ice did. So, you know, he deserves the chance. However, it's a risk because with only a young goalkeeper on the bench with no senior experience, should anything happen to Harry, whether it be an injury or a sending off or any circumstance that means he's not able to play, you're then going round that loop again, aren't you? So, you know, is it, is, is a lot of decisions to be made? And I think the one thing as, I said to a group of friends yesterday on a WhatsApp chat is, you know, Nathan and the management team have got very little wrong this season as far as both recruitment and also key decisions. So, you know, we trust them with whichever they go for. And we just hope that whatever decision they make is the one that they want to make, as opposed to not being able to do something for the, for the reasons that they want to do it. Um, And yes, the, the goalkeepers are limited out there. Um, there is the potential of, you know, looking at players that perhaps might be out of contract in the summer and could be close to being told that they're not going to be needed anymore. And, you know, there's the options. There's, there are options, but in the person at the right time, and it may involve taking a calculated risk. It may not. Um, until we know the extent of James Shea's injury, and as we said, that was being kept, um, you know, within the four walls at the training ground as to, how long out because you don't want to give anything away that also makes a decision because if if it is short term then it's less of a risk to 
to play Harry and have a youngster on the bench. If it's longer term, then you may feel that the quicker you bring somebody in, the quicker they're settled into the environment, they're getting used to playing with the team, they're training, they're getting the ethos of the club and everything else. So it is there's a lot behind the scenes going on, I'm sure, and I've got every faith in them that they're doing you know, the right things for the football club and for the individuals concerned. So we just wait and see. And as you say, the team sheet on Saturday will be a, a big indicator, but may not necessarily be the, the full stop at the end of the sentence. Yeah, the positive thing is that Harry's Harry. If Harry plays on Saturday, it doesn't sort of trigger any senior appearances or uh, anything like that. The four that he already has for the club don't count, so um, we would still be eligible for a, an emergency loan even after Saturday. So we we have at least got that option, whereas we might not have had had those other four appearances uh, counted. Tony, the rumor mill has already started though, and Stoke City's third choice goalkeeper Frank Fielding's already been linked with us. They've denied it today, but it kind of shows that. If the rumour mill's starting, we may well see yet another uh, occupant of the number one jersey this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, Stoke have denied one, but I, I, I think realistically there has got to be somebody else come in. I mean, we, we, can't, we can't go into potentially three very important games, um, you know, with... Uh, Eisted and, and, and a, back, a backup on the bench being the youth team goalkeeper. No disrespect to that keeper, but they obviously won't be ready for first team football yet. Um, so it just shows that, as you say, with the rumour mill starting, we are starting to look. And I, I don't think it'll be too long before um, we've got somebody in through the door, Kev. Yeah, I think that's the kind of angle I'm sort of going down as well. But all will be revealed in the coming days but the main thing is at least we've got that option of Harry Eisted on Saturday and we wish him well if indeed he does start on Saturday okay um, James Saturday Sky TV and they may as well have um, just taken up rent at Kenilworth Road haven't they the amount of times mm-hmm. that they've been down there in recent times I think it's our third uh, third game in four and the other one was, uh, in that run was uh, on the red button as well and of course uh, next week at Fulham has also been moved so Luton will have had four games in five on Sky. So if you've got a Sky subscription, um, Luton TV is very much up and running. But is it helpful? Is it? He- let's let, we'll attack it from both angles. First of all, we'll attack the football angle. Is it helpful to the team to have all of these changes of kickoff times and everything else? Um, with regards, certainly when you think that we are chasing promotion, it's helpful in the context of the Fulham game and Luton's. A ridiculous injury list because the game's been moved back I think um, is it is it helpful for anything else I think the general consensus if you're able to put a straw poll out would be no um, you know football fans like 3pm kickoffs don't they um, unfortunately with the aspirations of getting to the Premier League and if you do actually get there this stuff's going to happen a lot more because they're so much more beholden to the TV channels and not just Sky anymore. It's, you know, BT and what have you. And I'm sure Amazon will get them in the game at some point as well. So, and in that respect, uh, the people that run the game really don't give a monkey's about the people that go to the game um, because you saw with the FA Cup semi final with Liverpool, Man City, that there were no actual trains to get them there. The, the logical thing if if the people that run the game had any sense would be just to hold the hold that semi-final up nearer to both teams but they're both from the northwest so and they didn't and they didn't care about the uh, the trains until people kicked off a bus and then they had to lay on some buses so <clears throat> that's one of the <laughs> more kind of things i guess from from the the governing bodies because usually they just ignore fan pleas whatsoever so you know, and that's kind of happened with the Fulham game in particular. I know a lot of people had booked uh, hotels or uh, accommodation or flights from other countries and stuff to come and see that game, which would have been on a Saturday, and that's now getting moved to Monday. So, um, I, I just it, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because the, the the sky money when you get into the Premier League level is what is what pays for everything. Um, but then you have to do a dance with the devil, really, and 
uh, and play here, there, and everywhere, whether it's Friday nights, Saturday mornings, <laughs> Saturday afternoons, Sundays, Mondays. Who knows what what, what will happen? Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think everybody everybody wants to get to the Premier League. It'd be an incredible story. That's going to be one of the downsides. Yeah, it certainly is. How do you see it, Simon? I mean, obviously, um, Luton are only on Sky because we are in a promotion race. We're doing very well. If we weren't doing very well, if we were Cardiff City or if we were, you know, Bristol City or someone of that ilk, we wouldn't be on Sky. So, you know, it's kind of a sign of the progress that we've made, really. Yeah, they've certainly switched their allegiance from showing West Brom every other week, haven't they? So, um, you know, it's nice that we're we're that team up there that they're now picking to uh, to show on a regular basis. And I think our performances this season and the games that they've had have just about summed that up. You know, it, we, we're totally there on credit. I know Nathan joked in his press conference about after being asked about hitting the 70 point mark, he sort of quipped about being, yeah, we're just lucky, very lucky Luton, aren't we? You know, everything goes for us kind of thing. And, you know, and that's what some people still see it as that, you know, we've managed to go through the season, but, you know, let's give all the, uh, the kudos to the team, the players, the management team, you know, and now, you know, Sky, yeah, they have realised that we're a club worth showing and we're up in the top end of the championship going for a, a playoff place and if things have been a little different I think you know there could have been even a bit more pressure on Bournemouth in second as well couldn't there so you know it really has been a remarkable season and whatever the outcome it's been a fantastic progression year on year once more um, and uh, you know hopefully again whichever league we're in next season we do get uh, the uh, the watching public the opportunity to, to, to watch how well we play Yeah you're right West Brom TV's gone bust Huddersfield TV and Luton Town TV are very much on the up at the moment. It is, uh, it is to be said. Tony, how do you see this um, this situation? Obviously, it's not ideal that kickoff times move. It's particularly not ideal that they move so late in the day, as well. I think the Fulham one was only sort of moved two and a half weeks before the game itself, which is incredibly short notice. When you know they've moved things like the last day of the season way, way, way in advance. So you know. I understand that they want to show the top teams and they want to show the important matches and things like that. But ultimately, supporters have got to get to these games. And all throughout the pandemic, all of these TV companies were suggesting that football's nothing without fans. So they seem to have turned their back on that pretty quickly. Well, Sky has um, never, ever uh, had the interests of fans at heart. Um, you know, they, 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 as you said, Kev, they do these things some of these games have been last minute changes and it it I mean God almighty continually having to get up earlier on the Saturday you've got to stay out of order this is <laughs> um you know uh but I would I I feel for fans that um you know have paid for hotels have paid for train fares and in some cases is uh, I think Simon uh, not Simon James said uh paid for flights so uh, I, I, I think um, Sky should be made to pay the expenses of supporters who've legitimately incurred those expenses at the very least. Um, so people are not out of, out of pocket. Again, it's already been mentioned about train times. You know, people can go to the games, but they sometimes have to leave earlier because that's when the last train is back or they're stuck until the early hours of the morning or whatever. So um, it's great in one sense that, you know, the, the club's getting the expe- the exposure and uh, it, it, it's well-deserved exposure because, uh, as Simon's already said, it's been a fantastic season for us. Um, but uh, I, I think sooner or later at some point, they've got to take into, into consideration what, the fans have to put up with. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that's fair. I can't believe that all three of us have um, mentioned uh, the um, sort of changes to fans and things, and none of us have mentioned that we've had to change Simon's booking for the presentation even because of this move to yeah. Um, yeah. Move to the Fulham game. You know, that was the biggest uh, one of all, wasn't it, really? But James... Yeah. Well, it's we, we, popular, we, right? It was easy we, to switch, isn't it? <laughs> well, we, we, we're just lucky, Kev, though, that the, the venue was available on the alternative date. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, 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 we've been very lucky that way. But obviously, you know, there's a lot of hard work gone into preparing 
this presentation and then people have bought tickets and we've got you know people can't make the new date so we've got to refund people and then still got a surf ticket it's just a, a an all-round inconvenience really it certainly is um James, with I mean, you mentioned there if we get to the Premier League that it's gonna it's gonna happen an awful lot more often. But um, football fans just have to be taken notice of, don't they? I mean, the good thing is that the games that we've had moved, uh, the Huddersfield game, the Nottingham Forest game, Blackpool on Saturday, and I presume the Fulham game, they've all been, if not sold out, they've had a, a pretty good crowd in there, so they've not kind of affected the crowds for those games. But there are games where you watch, where you sit and watch on television. It's only half full because of the inconvenience of it, and no one really wins there, do they? So, my, yeah, my argument with it in in the round really um, is is who's it for? Um, it's it's all very well playing Manchester United, Liverpool, and uh, or largely those two on the TV because they've got huge international followings. But a club like Luton is so. Uh, rooted in its own community where they pack out the ground that most of the fans live around the area it's it's not an international club so I, I don't know what the benefit is really of of field of, of screening um football matches not just looting games because there's there's actually stats out there that show that people don't watch them as much as they're as much as we're told you know a lot of the notion of the premier league is propaganda built up by the premier league that it's the greatest league in the world and the most watched and rah 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 and the the simple fact of the numbers doesn't back it up most people don't think that you know brighton versus norwich is a so-called super sunday and so they don't bother the simple fact is most people support a football club. If you support a league, you're an absolute weirdo. <laughs> you support you support a football team and you follow a football team. And and I mostly don't give a monkeys about what any other team does until they come to Luton or Luton has to go to them. And so you, you're asking, really, what who's it for and what, what are these changes for? And if you move a game from... 3 p.m. on a Saturday to 7.45 on a Friday night. Who's that for? You're still going to get the 10,000 people that go to Kenworth Road. And and I appreciate not every... Luton has a bigger fan base than that and not everybody can go. But it's not to the epic levels of uh, so-called Manchester United fans uh, and Liverpool fans. So who who benefits from that? Because the... The TV numbers don't seem to stack up. Um, and, and then it pisses all over match-going football fans because they have to change all their plans. I'm really looking forward to Tony's idea of the, the Sky Sports paying back the expenses of uh, fans. Can you? I'm just totting up the epic swindle that's going to go on when that's allowed. <laughs> I'm putting some dodgy expense claims in my time, and my word, that'll go up. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll all be... Uh... Chipping into Sky Sports there, um, that, that is for sure. Um, Simon, if uh, if we get to the playoffs, we'll definitely be on Sky TV. Thankfully, they've already announced the dates and the times of and everything of those, so that won't be uh, an inconvenience in terms of the football um, supporters. But are we in the playoffs, or, or or do we still need more points? I don't think it's guaranteed as yet. I, I think even, you know, those of the club will say, you know, we've got to keep taking the points. And also it's important for keeping the momentum. You know, I wouldn't, in a way, I wouldn't want to be one of those sides where you're guaranteed your playoff place with several games to go because I think you lose then some of the the impetus that you've gained from getting into that place. So, yeah, the pressure is still on. Um, we're in a great place, though. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, but we are a little looking over our shoulders. I think, you know, with the fact that Middlesbrough have got that game in hand um, in midweek, um, once that's been played, then at least that puts everybody on the same number of games played that matter. Um, Nottingham Forest, I think, you know, with their two games in hand, albeit they're against the top two, um, you know, they're on a good run at the moment. So I think you're really looking at the sides outside of the playoffs, aren't you, that could catch us. Um, and, you know, Middlesbrough are in there because of their two games. 
QPR and Blackburn, you know, we only need a point plus the goal difference at the moment is good enough. Um, so one win means that they can't catch us. And Millwall, it, it's four points or three in the goal difference, but, you know, to be absolutely mathematically safe. So, yeah, you, you're assuming that they're not going to win all their remaining games. Although looking at the fixtures, Millwall, Birmingham away and Peterborough at home, you'd perhaps expect six points there without a problem. And then they go to Bournemouth on the final day. So Bournemouth will be no doubt celebrating promotion and be enjoying a party down there. So anything could happen. Middlesbrough have got some some good fixtures, really. Um, you know, so yes, I think in answer to your question to get there eventually, we do need a couple more points, probably a win, um, just to be absolutely, you know, not looking over our shoulder for each game. But you know, when that win comes, hopefully it's Saturday and we can then uh, enjoy watching the other teams, um, hopefully not getting the points and and uh, getting that confirmed. But the fact we've still got, obviously, Fulham away, their trophy presentation, as you mentioned, with being on Sky Bank Holiday Monday, um, you know, that'll be a really tough game. And you don't want to really be going into the final game of the season with something to play for, do you? It uh, puts a bit of pressure on then. Yeah, that's true. Tony, how do you see it? Last the two sorry the two seasons that we've been in the championship albeit behind closed doors um the seventh place team only got 70 points we've obviously got more than 70 points this season does that therefore mean that we've got enough points mm. well it's it's one of those things you know everybody's playing everybody else but we need to make sure uh, and i think if we beat backpool tomorrow i think that'll be realistically it will be right for us I think that's all we've got to do is just beat Blackpool tomorrow. Um, and, and we're there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Thank God we're not playing Blackpool in the playoffs because that one still haunts me from a few years ago. Um, James, the good thing is, I guess, it's only really Nottingham Forest, the mighty Nottingham Forest, who outplayed Luton like you've never seen a team outplay another team before, according to Nottingham Forest's hierarchy, um, mm. who are in any form at the top of the table because, and Huddersfield, sorry, Huddersfield as well, uh, the ones below us, Sheffield United, they've suddenly faded. They've lost all their strikers. Um, I don't even know what happened to Blackburn. They were on the on the edge of the top two, weren't they, when they came to us in January? And now they're, I don't know, 20, 25 points behind them. QPR also, if they didn't have their referee with them when they came down here, they wouldn't have picked up many points recently either. So really, we're in a good position, even if we're not able to take control of our own destiny. Yeah, well, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I, th- I think it would be one more win um, with the other teams being quite helpful as they have been results-wise. Um, but then it, uh, then that could equally be just don't lose for three games and, and see where that gets you. So I think they're almost I think they're almost there. You can't say for certain because you never know. And there, there is obviously the injury situation, which hasn't really proved a hindrance so far, but you never really know when it might or if it might, I hope it doesn't. Um, but they're, they're managing to find a way, and that's really what you need. You don't have to play pretty football, do you? you can, I, I take 1-0 wins all day long uh, for the remainder of the season. Um, I, I think, and the bookies aren't silly, are they? They've got them in there as as, as almost dead certs to, to, to be up. So, that's nice to see, isn't it? At least uh, somebody's got <laughs> somebody's back in Luton. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and the, the teams that they're playing as well uh, essentially have nothing to play for. Um, yes, Blackpool had a good result against Birmingham, but so does everybody apart apart from Luton, didn't they? So, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Fulham could be on a jolly and Luton haven't played badly against Fulham anyway, regardless of how much money and how many goals Mitrovic scores. And he will score again because he always does his customary goal. So it's just about how many Luton could get back. Um, and, and Reading, they're well safe as far as I'm concerned. I know it's mathematical, but it's going to have to be some swing and turnaround. And and they've, uh, and Reading have got their, their striker back, haven't they? So they're looking a bit more dangerous, but um, there's nothing to be feared from any of that. Um, yeah, Nottingham Forest are the form team, but they haven't scored a goal against Luton for all their wonderful play. <laughs> and really, it should have been six points against them, wouldn't it? If, if Elijah had scored the penalty up at the Forest ground. So, 
Um, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think all is, all is looking good. If they can get some players back as well to help out, uh, more the better. But at the minute, it's who, it, as we had with the discussion about Harry at the beginning, Harry Eisted, whoever goes in and has to fill in, and whether that's their position or they're just asked to do a job, they seem to be able to do it. That's a wonderful place to be. It most, <coughs> it most certainly is, that's for sure. Um, have your thoughts yet gone, Simon, to potential semi-final opponents? Let's avoid these. Let's get these. Oh, well, I'll take these. Don't want these. Um, to be honest, I keep being fearful that should we get Nottingham Forest, it will be a, re- review, a, a repeat of 96-97 when we played Crew, having them not scored against us in two league games. And, you know, you, you just you have those fears of history repeating itself. I mean, but records keep getting broken under Nathan and, you know, why not do it again? But yeah, I mean, getting into the playoffs would be an incredible achievement for the club having, you know, battled against relegation two years ago and then great 12th place position last year. As I said earlier, because we've progressed year on year, even just getting into the playoffs, you know, is a great achievement, really shows how the club's progressing and what's going on behind the scenes and, you know, not having the multi-million pound players that, you know, other clubs at the top of the table have got to get them there. Um, You know, it's real team spirit. So, yeah, whoever we play in the playoffs, it will be a great achievement to have got there. Um, you, You know, you're looking at so tight games, across the board in most of the teams that, you know, could be in there. Um, you know, you're looking Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield, I think, you know, are, are going to be there. And then you're perming one from, as we've already spoken about, four or five potentials for the other place. You know, should we be one of those four? So fingers crossed, let's get in there first and then let's worry about who the opposition are when it comes to it. And, you know, it, it just it's just brilliant that we, we're in this position talking about, um, potential playoff opponents in the championship, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Where are you on that, Tony? You got any preferences? Any? Please don't give us those. Uh, you know, how are you feeling? No, uh, to be honest with you, Kev, I'm, I'm fearful of anybody. I think we're capable of beating whoever finishes there. Um, I prefer, you know, to be of the mindset: let them worry about us. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think uh, we've got nothing to lose. We were not expected to to be in this position right at the start of the season. So, you know, let's go in there fearing nothing or, or, or anybody. And, you know, anything can happen. Um, you know, Simon's right. We've got to make sure that we, we, we get there first. But uh, once we do that, uh, anything can happen in those three games. So, uh no, I, I'm not worried about anybody who we come up against. Worried about anyone, James? Prefer anyone? I'd rather not play Huddersfield, really, because I think they don't do anything particularly uh, attractive, but um, seem to have a a way of stifling Luton a little bit. If you've got Forest... I, they'd want to try and play football, which I think suits Luton, so I wouldn't be too bothered about that. But once you get down to this stage of the season, if you're not up for it and don't fancy it, you shouldn't really be there. So I don't have any qualms about playing any team that's currently in there or anyone that might sneak in at the end, really. Um, It's been a one hell of a ride so far and everything's to be enjoyed at the moment. It certainly is, yeah. I'd rather not have Middlesbrough because one Saturday a season in Middlesbrough is enough without a second one. And we nearly had it straight afterwards in the Cup, didn't we? So to not have that in the playoffs, that would be handy. Uh, Let's talk about these three games that we've got left then, chaps, in more detail. And I'll come back to you, James, because obviously you fluffed your lines with the predictions last month. So I'll give you a chance (laughs) to redeem yourself this time Have I ever not... (laughs) That's that's very true, but that was a spectacular fluffing of them with the the 15-point month picking up two points from the first three games. but um, I've had too much to pop that day. As I say, there's a a chance to redeem yourself. We've already won at Blackpool this season in the most foul and horrendous conditions. Thankfully, I've checked the weather forecast. Not going to be like that on Saturday. Uh, I love beating Blackpool because that night in the playoffs still really, really hurts, even though we've gone on to do great things since then. So will we do the double over them on Saturday? Yes. Uh, One nil. 
it is the common Luton scoreline at the moment. Isn't it? I mean, are you, are you yeah. confident on that? I mean, it, it was surprisingly comfortable at their place, wasn't it? Because uh, Blackpool was a tough, pl- been a tough place to go this season, and we were very, very, very good that day. We were, we were very good that day, and um, you know, got the goals at the right time, and you know, progressed through with three points, a three 0 win. So yeah, fantastic performance up there. Um, you know, again, they've done pretty well since getting promoted last season. They're going to be hoping to finish as high as they can um, in the league table. They've obviously done Birmingham 6-1 last week, so uh, at the weekend. So they'll be buoyed by that. They'll be looking to come to Canterworth Road to prove a point. You know, they won't want to be beaten. Um, so the, every game in the championship is tough. Um, you can't take anything for granted. You've only got to look at some of the scores going around that, you know, Fulham lost two in a row, you know, you know including one at home. Other teams are losing you know, that's helped us out in recent weeks. So take nothing for granted, but at the same time, confident in the way the, the players are performing um, and the way that uh, the management team are putting together, um, you know, squads and putting players in incorrect positions just to get through and, you know, just keep that team spirit up and keep the momentum going. So, you know, every faith in the, in the side, but every game is tough. Yeah, Tony, this being the championship, Blackpool beat Birmingham 6-1, Birmingham beat Luton 5-0, so this is automatically Luton beat Blackpool, isn't it? <laughs> um, doesn't work like that, does it? Uh, Simon said everybody's capable of beating everybody, but I'm, I'm expecting three points tomorrow. Um, I can't see any reason why we can't do it. The players know what they've got to do. Uh, they certainly want to finish in the uh, top six. They want to be in those playoffs. So uh, the team spirit, I think, will see us through at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, James, Simon mentioned there that Blackpool want to prove a point to uh, to us and everyone watching on. And I guess we'll want to do exactly the same when we go to Fulham uh, on Bank Holiday Monday. Maybe their title party may not be their title party. It depends on what happens between them and Bournemouth tomorrow. Um, but it's a good gauge to find out where we are because ultimately we're hoping to go back to London a month afterwards to play a decent side uh, and join Fulham in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's a, another case of that. There should be absolutely no fear. Um, uh, they are a very good side, um, but they, <laughs> I think you said the other day, isn't it? Uh, congratulations on Fulham on uh, booking their <laughs> booking their uh, championship title fight for two thousand twenty-four. Um, they do tend to go up and go down, which sort of it, it does kind of emphasise the. The, the golf really in uh, what it means to be a Premier League team but um, I think if Luton were to get there they've shown an adaptability this season which could be quite impressive whereas Fulham were expected to blow everyone away and they essentially have um, but like I say Luton in recent seasons when the two teams have been in the same division then Luton played really really quite well against them it's because of some good results and I mean a good goal scoring game sorry uh, rather than not necessarily getting the results they probably deserve but um, there, there, there's nothing really to fear um, there's, there's some maybe point scoring they can do individually where it would be nice if somebody could keep Mitrovic under wraps um because he just doesn't stop scoring. I think I've said on here before, I've seen him a couple of times and he does absolutely bugger all in the game except score. (laughs) He's no Elijah Adebayo when it comes to chasing people down or anything. Oh, he can moan like the clappers, actually. He's very good at that. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, it just... Um, it, it, it's very Luton, I think, to want to go somewhere where they've just won a title and spoil their party. Yeah, indeed, yeah. He referees the game as well, Mitrovic, um, or, or at least he tries to. Yeah, James is right there, Simon. Three fixtures against Fulham since we've come back into the Championship. Uh, lost 3-2 down there, which actually I thought we gave every bit as much as we got that night. Drew 3-3 with them on Boxing Day here and drew 1-1 with them earlier this season. And we may well even have won that 2-1 if referee had eyes in his uh, eyesight uh, and gave the penalty on Fred late on in the game. So actually, we do kind of give as good as we get against Fulham. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where you're up against um, the so-called big boys, a good team, as somebody alluded to earlier, I think James mentioned about playing um, Nottingham Forest. Because they play football, that suits Luton's 
um, way of playing as well. So, yeah, when you're up against a good team playing well, then you up your game and you we play we have played well against them in the past. So, as we've said, their mind will be on, you know, hopefully they'll be lifting, for them, they'll be lifting the trophy on Bank Holiday Monday. So they'll be thinking about that. But as we've seen at Kenilworth Road, that they can also be some great games as well for the home side. And, you know, we've beaten Oxford and um, Forest Green Rovers in the past on the final day. And, you know, it is a great atmosphere. So that does make it a little bit tougher um, for us. But, you know, we go there in comp- full of confidence and, you know, just put in a performance and it may, it may be by then it doesn't matter. It probably will. Um, you know, depending on other results and how we do at the weekend. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's a day out. It's a shame it's not the Saturday. I think also for Fulham fans, because, you know, being that evening kickoff, I noticed a few of their players were sort of saying, well, I can't take the young kids now for the for the evening, you know, for the hoping of lifting the trophy and enjoying the celebrations. But I'm sure they will be crown champions. You know, the, the money that they've put into that club and into the players, there were some graphics out this week on Twitter, weren't there, showing, you know, how many millions per point or points per million they've spent um, and Luton in comparison. And it, it, it's just a complete contrast um, whether they can stay up in the Premier League next season or not, or whether them and Norwich will continue to reverse leagues each year, swap leagues each year, then that may be it. But no, great game down at Craven Cottage. Let's hope we can, um, again, show the cameras once more what we're capable of. And, um, you know, if it does seal the playoff place, then that's a great place to do it. It certainly, it certainly would be a great place to do it. Obviously, all the teams will have played on the Saturday before that Monday. So there is every chance someone to have a chance to slip up and um, seal the deal for us if we've not already done that ourselves. Tony, how do you see that Fulham game going? It should, it, well, it's going to be a cracking atmosphere, isn't it? Even though there's one concrete block down to the left of where the away fans are, they're still not in use. But the three stands that have got people in it, both sets of fans should be right up for that one. It's going to be a good occasion because... Um, no side, when they've had a successful season, and without question, Fulham have, want to lose their last game, especially in front of their home fans. Um, but we're up for it. We're looking for things. So uh, I think uh, as long as we give a good account of ourselves, they, they don't find it easy against us. Um, as long as we can keep a, a, a careful watch on Mitrovic. I mean... Uh, he goes mad when he's in the championship because, uh, and he scores loads of goals because he, he knows he's not going to get a lot next season. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll be quite hopeful of uh, coming away from there with a point, Kev. Yeah, that's fair enough. I do believe that the all-conquering, superb Nottingham Forest play Fulham uh, before we go down there. So obviously Fulham will be knackered from getting outplayed by such a, an amazing side. Uh, last game of the season, James Redding at home. Jesus Christ, we've had our issues with these in the past. Um, obviously in the great escape season, they came down here and absolutely, well, you and me thought that they buried us, didn't we? And um, yeah. thankfully that wasn't the case and no one else believed it. But it would be lovely whether there's anything on it or nothing on it to absolutely get one over these lot. Because for some reason in the league until this season, we had massive problems against them yeah but I think this season that I think so many hoodoos have been smashed really and and they're one of them um you know it's it well it sort of started in the cups last season didn't it but um yeah since that five nil in the great escape nine nine game into the season run I don't have any problems with playing them anymore apart from when you go to their place that bloody drummer um there's two of them uh, <laughs> Yeah, I do really. Blimey, we're able to put up with that at least. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, their their job's done, isn't it? They're 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 safe. Well, I expect they will be by then. Um, and in fact, if they're not safe by then, and there is still a chance, that could make it a bit better for Luton, I think, because it'd be very very nervy for them. Um. And particularly at Kenilworth Road as well. So, um, so uh, yeah, uh, do you know what? I'm going to go for another 1 0 win. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of 1 0 wins, I suspect, between now and whenever this season comes to a close. Um, how do you see that Reading game, Simon? I mean, it's, it's horrible to get you guys to predict this one because I suspect that if we've got the playoff place secured, we will rest an awful lot of players in that game because there's a potential of a semi-final first leg on the Friday after it. Um, but let's say all things are equal. How do you see that one going? 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those end-of-season games that a lot will depend on what rides on it, as you've said. I mean, Reading theoretically should be safe, shouldn't they? So the way things are looking, um, you know, the, the proverbial players on the beach scenario, you know, they're just playing out the last game, um, potentially. You know, you assume at the moment the way things are looking, but stranger things have happened in football, as we know. Um, from a Luton perspective, yeah, it's a massive difference between we need something to confirm that playoff place or we're in the playoffs, but we've got an option of where we could finish. Because again, that, you know, has an advantage, doesn't it, with the home and away matches. And, you know, most teams prefer, obviously, to have the, the home game second. So, you know, that could still be a factor. Or third scenario, we know exactly which place we're in. And yeah, we take the opportunity to rest a few players, um, knowing that the, as you say, the playoffs start the following week. But I think we're a little way off knowing any of those outcomes at the moment. And it's then difficult to really say what's going to happen. I just hope that whatever happens, we keep the momentum. You know, we put in a performance that just keeps us taking us into hopefully those playoff games the week later. But yeah, it's, it's actually a strange one. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a great point that Simon and Tony. I'll come to you because obviously um, I'll get your thoughts on the Reading game. But it is massive for us if we can finish third or fourth this season, isn't it? Because if we finish f- uh, fifth, we go away. Sorry, we host a team on a Saturday afternoon. We're okay. The atmosphere will be okay at Kenilworth Road because obviously it's the playoffs and things. But it's, it will be nothing like as intense and, and intimidating as it will be if we finish fourth and we have that game on the Tuesday night under the Kenilworth Road floodlights. We all know what that brings to us. So maybe that is a focal point of the attention and, and a kind of incentive over all of these three games, finish third or fourth. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think the the evening game under the floodlights will be you know massive for us. And I don't think... Any of the other teams will fancy that at all. Um, but at the same time, I, I think um, we'd want to go into the playoffs on a on a winning run. I don't I don't think we'd want to go into them on the back of a defeat. So um, yeah, Reading may well be on the on the beach. As you say, they're safe. We could take the opportunity to to rest some players, but uh, I think players will also want. You know, we'll we'll also be pushing for places in that playoff team as well. So um, I'm expecting us to put up a good show against them, and I I, I don't see Reading as anything to particularly worry about. No, <clears throat> that's fair enough. Um, I'm not going to get points, predictions, or anything like that from all you guys because you know one nil. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much that can chop and change even over the space of two weeks uh, two weeks as a Luton fan is a long time at any stage of any season let alone um, this one but as long as we get enough points to get in the playoffs and if we can finish fourth or third and get that uh, home game second leg under the floodlights that would be absolutely magnificent um, James the uh, the night after that Reading game uh, the Sunday night is now the new date of the presentation evening. It's been moved to May the 8th. Uh, all the details are on our website and everything else like that. And of course, the main award of the of that evening is the Luton Town Supporters Trust Player of the Season. Last season, everyone on this podcast called it as Kian and Jewsbury Hall. And in true podcast style, we got it emphatically wrong because Simon Saluga walked off with um, the trophy. Uh, that debate can be had another day because it's still wrong. It was wrong then and it's still wrong now. But I sense this year it's the most open um, award that it's been for for many a time. You can genuinely make a case for eight players. Um, You might even be able to make a case for even more than eight players. Maybe Harry Cornick and Jordan Clark's injuries over the course of the season will count them out. But certainly Amari Bell, Cal Naismith, James Bree, Elijah Adebayo, Alan Campbell and... I've forgotten one, but uh, Reese Burke um, are, are all genuine candidates. So I'll put the simple question to you: Which one of the six is your player of the season? Yep, all of them. All right, can we can we get down get down a pub now? No, <laughs> we can't. The the key thing was which one of those six is your player of the season. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a wonderful conundrum to have, isn't it? Because you're right. There's been so so many outstanding performances. Uh, if I could give it to the team, I genuinely would because they, they've been absolutely fantastic. Whoever's played, whoever's filled in, whoever's covered, whoever's changed positions. Uh, it's been a wonderful season. Um, 
with some great new players that have all bedded in well. Um, I know you mentioned Jordan Clark there and, you know, every time I've seen him and when he's been fit and available, he's been absolutely fabulous. So if if he hadn't been uh, poleaxed by Sam Johnston and then had the injuries that he's had of late, and hopefully we'll see him uh, in the running, but who knows, then I, I would have had him up there. Um, I'm with you on the Reese Burke situation. I think he's absolutely wonderful defender, both uh, in his own box and going forward, sometimes even a winger. Brilliant stuff. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm very impressed by the improvement in uh, James Bree, particularly since Sheehan's got there. Something's going right there. Um, I hope we get to see him as well because he obviously got injured against Cardiff. Um, Amari Bell has sort of been understated and um, understated but effective if that's even possible because nobody talks about him too much but I think he's one of the most consistent performers um, and obviously got Elijah up top who's, who does Elijah things doesn't he and scores great goals and is a pain in the ass uh, for, for defenders um, but for me I I'd go on purely how excited I am to watch this player week in, week out because he's never he's never below a seven. He's one of those players never below a seven, but quite often consistently above that, you know, eight or nine out of ten, and just for what he does. And it's not fantasy football stuff, so he's not got all these stats um, that usually gets people salivating. Although I guess if you totted up the amount of um, Miles he runs, uh, he might do, um, but it's it's Alan Campbell for me. He's just he, he's so exciting to watch. He he's a pain in the bum for defenders. He leads Luton's press up high and often wins the ball back. And then when he gets the ball, <laughs> he now knows what to do with it. And uh, and since he whacked in his first goal, if anyone gives him twenty yards of space then he'll drive into it and have a shot. And quite often he's accurate with it. He'll at least, he'll at least test the keeper. Uh, but I just think he's so important to the way Luton have uh, ramped up the, the intensity in the way they play. And it, it, the fact that he's doing that week in, week out with a depleted midfield, that um, it, it, you know, is, is absolutely remarkable. And uh, for, for a young lad that's, just moved countries essentially uh, uh, and leagues and had to readjust to all of that stuff uh, is absolutely wonderful. And the fact that he's 23 um, means he's not anywhere near his peak. And if he's doing that now in his first season, he's going to be absolutely some player. And however much money they paid for him, it's a bargain. Alan Campbell for me. Yeah, decent case made for uh, Alan Campbell. Simon, are you echoing that, or is it your player? Obviously, you're going to be the one who actually uh, leads up. Uh, I presume it'll be Nathan Jones to announce it and uh, announce the award winner himself on the night. But is your player of the season Alan Campbell, or have you got a different one? Um, I, it's such a tough call, isn't it, this time round? And it's interesting to hear that you know the difference of player, the type, the different types of players that could be up for the award this year. Um, just while James was talking there, I was having a quick look at the, um, the stats that I've kept from the whoscored.com um, figures from this season. And it's interesting because Campbell doesn't assist many, doesn't score many, but it's his running and his efforts. He doesn't score as highly as some of the other players. Um, so it, it's interesting how stats can show one thing against another but yeah it's totally agree with James that Alan Campbell is is definitely up there in contention um one player that I don't think got mentioned who's actually the third highest for team for players that have played more than half the games this season is Tom Lockyer um who I think has had some outstanding performances um you know so he could be in the mix as well but you know the likes of Cal Naismith and Elijah Adebayo are surely um you know going to be the ones picking up the votes as well. Um, Sonny Bradley has, is high on the whoscored.com stats as well. You know, another player that, you know, has missed out through injuries. Um, so not played anywhere near what he'd like to, but 
I think the fact that we are talking about so many different players this season just shows what a performance the team have put in. And we've not relied on one or two individuals. We've had a strong team. And you're talking literally right through from defence, midfield and forward line. So, you know, that's fantastic. And all for different reasons, as I said earlier. You know, the likes of Reese Burke coming in, we've mentioned. Um, You know, Harry Cornick's work rate, his goals this season compared to last season, massive improvement um, for Harry. James Bree, as we've said, has developed. He's picked up the assists. Um, So, yeah, real. it's a real tough decision this year. And I think, you know, whoever gets it, will it will be a tight call. Um, And I'm going to sit on the fence and not name one individual. Um, well, hosting in the event as well, you see, I, I don't want to uh, to come across as though I'm trying to sway any uh, voters for anybody in particular. But I'm just, you know, really impressed with the players that have come in, um, those that have continued to progress under Nathan over the last few years. And, you know, we are now seeing a really strong squad right through from back to front. And that's why we've got so many players that potentially, um, you know, you could argue a good case for for being player of the season. You absolutely could. Tony Simon's made a good case for pretty much everyone in the squad there. Um, James has pinned his colours to the Alan Campbell mast. Where, where is your vote for player of the season going? Well, again, I agree with the chat with Simon. It's so, so close. I'd, I'd like to put another player into the mix. The name hasn't been uh, mentioned, and that's James Shea. Um, he's had a, a tremendous season and he, he's kept 18 clean sheets as well. Don't forget about that. We uh, have. He's not kept all of them. Jed Steer and Simon Saluka kept well, some of yeah, them. Yeah. Understandable, yeah. He's, yeah, no, he's had a few enough. clean sheets. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's in with a, with, with a good shout. I mean, the, the, the save he pulled off in the first couple of minutes uh, when we played Forest was a cracking save. Um you know, across the team, you know, uh, players that have come in um, has uh, replacements for others. I mean, I've put in really good performances in shift. Dan Potts, Peter Chioso, um Jordan Clark, when he's been playing, has been really good. But at the end of the day, um, for me, it came down to two players. Um one of those was Cal Naismith, who I think has been absolutely brilliant this season for us. But I think for me, he's just been shaded out by uh, our very own Duracell bunny, uh, Alan Campbell. And it's definitely Campbell for me. Yeah, two votes for Alan Campbell. Um, we shall see if he gets it. What's yours? What's yours? You <laughs> <laughs> well, can't okay. get away with that. You can't sit on the fence with Simon. There's enough splinters in his bum. I'm doing yeah. the Twitter on that night. I'm, you know, <laughs> um, listen, if Reese Burke had played the whole season and he hadn't taken that, whatever it was, 10 games or so to get into the side, then it may well have been him. Uh, anyone who reads James's website and the stuff that I write on there will know that I am an absolute massive Reese Burke fan. Uh, but he hasn't, so therefore I wouldn't include him over someone who has played uh, the majority of the season. Uh, I have to say, until recently, Elijah Adebayo was my player of the season. Um, when he scores, we don't lose. So he brings so much to our attack that we've not had in the past. You look at the difference between last season and this season, and I think his athleticism, his pressing, his ability, everything about him has been so impactful on what we've done this season. But the longer this season has gone on, the more determination, the drive, the will to win, the doggedness, the uh, everything that um, constitutes this side, Alan Campbell has in spades. And um, I think we mentioned it very, very early on on the podcast that we only had to see Mick's eyes light up on that transfer club thing when he was announced to know that we'd signed a decent player. Well, we haven't signed a decent player. We've signed a special player. And... Uh, He'll be playing in the Premier League in the not-too-distant future and hopefully he'll be playing in the Premier League for Luton Town in the not-too-distant future. But, um, yeah, plenty and plenty and plenty who could easily pick this award up two weeks on Sunday. Um, But my vote goes to Alan Campbell, yeah. Three now. 
So it's 3-0 <laughs> Alan Campbell on this podcast. But as we found out last season, we don't decide who the player of the season mm-hmm. is. You guys all decide who the player of the season is. And voting is still open. You have until 11.59pm on Saturday to get your votes in for the Player of the Season Award. As a trust member, you'll have been sent communication of how to register your vote. If you haven't voted yet, time is running out. Make sure you get your vote in. Uh, if you're not a trust member, there are various other awards that you can vote for. Uh, details of that are on the official website. They also close on Saturday at 11.59pm. And when they're all counted, the winners of all of the awards this season will be dished out at the uh, annual presentation evening, which for the first time in three years, hallelujah, is going to be in person. It's not going to be virtual. It's going to be in person, hosted by the fantastic Simon Pitts that we've had with us for the second part of the podcast. That is 7.30pm. Sunday, May the 8th at Venue 360 on Gypsy Lane in Luton. If you haven't got your tickets yet, they are going fast. They are still available. Uh, You can get them via the ticket office or online via the link that's on our website. Do not hesitate if you want to be at that evening because these tickets will sell out fast and we expect uh, full attendance. And all the players, management and staff and everyone will be there for what will be hopefully a celebration of a season that's got Luton Town into the playoffs. Chaps, thanks very much for joining me for this second part of the podcast. Here is to three wonderfully pressure-free games of football between now and the nervy, horrible, nail-biting, nasty final, hopefully three games of the season. Wish you all well and I'll see you guys and everyone else at the presentation evening on May the 8th.